Welcome to the Franklin County NC Podcast. I'm James Hicks, and this is a podcast about Franklin County, North Carolina. On our broadcast, we hope you will learn a few things that you didn't know about Franklin County, North Carolina, plus some helpful tips for you in your daily lives. Today, I'm joined by Will Durfer, who is the Assistant County Manager for Franklin County. We're going to learn a little bit more about his role and the opioid settlement funds the county will be receiving over the next 18 years. So welcome into the podcast, Will. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. This will, uh, unfortunately, some of our recordings will be a little bit uh, in advance. So a lot of times I was having to tell guests, well, don't mention Christmas. This year episode won't come until the New Year. So we're we're by the time this one comes out, we'll be clear into the New Year. Uh, so that's good. Uh, we had to discuss with certain topics like I know it's going to be a tendency to talk about Thanksgiving or Christmas, but we're going to be through that by the time we get this one out. So, uh, but New Year's, you can wish someone a happy New Year up until December thirty first. So. That's right. So, but this one will come out well before that. Um, so, I have I have lightly introduced our topic for today. But first, before we get into that, we want to dig a little bit into your background uh, and say, why don't we start with how long have you been with Franklin County, and where? Where did you come from? Thank you. So I have been with Franklin County in February. It'll be two years. So uh, just under just under two years. Prior to that, I was a town manager in Liberty, North Carolina, which is uh, middle of the state, Randolph County, sort of between Greensboro and Burlington, um, near Ashboro, and um, was there for a little over three years. Um, just a small town, a little bit smaller than Lewisburg. Um, and uh, focused on grants and the sewer infrastructure, water infrastructure. It was an old town built on uh, manufacturing, and so all that stuff was um, really, really old. <laughs> Needed a lot of help. Um, so that was my main focus. We had a it was a full service police department, a fire department, um, parks and rec, library, all that kind of stuff. So okay, and and you did a lot with grants there. I know you also have a pretty big little chunk of, of grant on well, that meant chunk, but you did some grants for a while. So yes. you're sort of our grant guru uh, of sorts. I know you're the first person I go to whenever grants get brought up. <laughs> I, I definitely have some experience with the grants. I worked for a, um, a consulting firm that, that did grants mostly through division of water infrastructure um, and part of parks and rec trust fund. Um, so I, I do have some experience with that and enjoy it. I mean, it, it's, um, you know, it's a good way to, uh, reduce the burden on the taxpayers in the community, uh, spreads it out a little bit, and can help accelerate projects as long as you know what you're doing and, and know what you're going after. Um, it, it can be a very helpful tool. So I want to ask this question it's, it's in two parts. And So you didn't go far enough back because you're not a native North Carolinian, neither am I, but um, Ohio – Somewhere That's in right. Ohio, yeah. Somewhere up there, Ohio is just one massive right. piece of land with a bunch of people. On it. it is, yeah. <laughs> so no, where are you from in Ohio? Works. Yeah, <laughs> geography. Um, yeah, so I'm from Northeast Ohio, a little town called Worcester, and uh, it's spelled like rooster, but not pronounced like rooster. It's Worcester. Uh, there's a college of Worcester there. Uh, it's near the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and grew up on a on a small family farm. We had pigs and fat steers. Fun fact, I took pigs to the fair all the way till um, high school, I guess. I have several first place showmanship tr- trophies, um, so I'm pretty proud of that. 
and played football. And I left Ohio shortly after I turned 18, um, joined the Army. I actually signed up for the Army when I was 17. My parents had to sign my application. Went from Ohio straight to Columbus, Georgia in August. Didn't understand a thing that was being said and had never felt um, that kind of heat and humidity in my entire life. So that's <laughs> that culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> when we're going back, you, military service, I'll, I'll just jump in too with the January, even though um, we don't know when this will come out, but you are our January employee veteran spotlight for January 2023 uh, person. It's a thing that the county started. Uh, we did it, it started in October, mm-hmm. and it's highlighting employees who work for the county, who happen to also be veterans. So we got a couple more coming after that, and that's featured on the Veterans Services page, and uh, we'll do some social media throughout the month. But uh, how long were you in the Army? I was in the Army for a little over four years, um, 1999 to 2003. Okay. And what did you do? Do uh, I ask this not really knowing where this is going, but yeah. uh, I, I, sometimes people have positions and right. ranks and very specialty things. What, what did you? Yeah. What did you do? I was, uh, um, as I currently am, I was a generalist. I guess I was an infantryman, um, so we did a little bit of everything. Um, and I was in the eighty second, so I jumped out of airplanes. And really enjoyed it. Uh, Spent some time in uh, Kosovo on a peacekeeping mission and then some time in Iraq on a um, not peacekeeping mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I uh, thought that was about enough of that. So I got out um, and went to college. Okay. And you went to? I went to Guilford College okay. for my undergrad. Okay. And then um, after that, I went to Appalachian State University for my Master's of Public Administration. Okay, so that's how you got to North Carolina. Yes. Sort of. It's, it, well, it, I was stationed in Fort Bragg, which is in Fayetteville. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yep. And just so kind of stuck around after I got out. <laughs> stuck around, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so what brought you, uh, you know, what, what stood out about Franklin County, um, you know, when, when you look at a couple, you know, almost two years ago, what was it about coming to Franklin County that you said, Oh, that might be a thing because you were in more municipal, mm-hmm. and I know even this is across the board. County and city can be very different in certain yeah. ways, and if you get used to city, I mean, I came from city to county, but I've jumped back and forth a, a couple of times uh, in, in some things. But, yeah. uh, but you know, what what was it about Franklin County, and you wanted to come and be a part of this? Yeah, sure. So, um, good question. I actually started in county. Um, my my first job out of graduate school was with Hyde County, North Carolina, which is on the coast. Um, it includes Ocracoke Island. Most people don't know where Hyde County is, but they know where Ocracoke is. Uh, it's the quote-unquote pearl of the Outer Banks. So um started out in Hyde County and just enjoyed the county um, uh, government. It, it's a lot more collaborative, and I'm more of a collaborative leader. Um, I don't like to be directive um, and so it's, it's just a better fit for me, um, county over municipal government. Um, unfortunately, it's um, it's not terribly easy to get into county government. So um, you got to cut your teeth somewhere. So um, for me, that was that happened to be Liberty. Um, so I did you know three years there, as I said. And then when um, when I saw the Franklin County Assistant County Manager job open, I thought, well, what a good opportunity to get into county government. 
It's a you know s- small, medium, medium-sized county, um, fast-growing, uh, Halo County. Uh, actually, one of the things that excited me the most about it was that it had uh, uh, water and sewer. It's my favorite, one of my favorite services that that are provided, and um, so I just thought I would give it a shot. What is a Halo? Halo County. So Halo County is the counties that are surrounding Wake County. Okay. Okay. I think they probably refer to them Mecklenburg County as well. Okay. Um, okay. Just the just the general geographic area that is benefiting from the growth of the Wake County, the Greater Triangle yeah, area, the greater essentially. Triangle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was. It seemed like a really good opportunity to um, get in um, and and not be the chief administrative officer, but learn from learn from somebody and um, and work in a growing county. Okay. And what is, so what is the assistant county manager? What, what do you do? What do you sum that up? I know it can be kind of a lot of different things, <laughs> yeah. but, but a lot of people probably don't know, you know, what you would do day to day. Right. So, um, day to day, really, um, the most frustrating answer is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the day, depends on what's going on, depends on what happened. Um, a lot of it is just responding to um, to things that happen. Uh, we get complaints escalated that can't be handled by uh, departments or employees, and um, so we got to help guide guide through those complicated matters. Um, looking at policies, um, uh, implementation, and development. So um, you know, any any given day, I'll be reviewing a new policy or revising an existing policy. Um, we do a lot of um, response to uh, board of commissioners. So if they've got a question, um, they'll they'll pass it on to Kim, and and she'll pass it on to me for research. Um, so it's it's sort of the the bigger things that are that are harder to um, really put your put your finger on, which makes it really hard to explain what I do. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, the generic maybe term is. Uh, as as assigned by the county manager, That's essentially right. you That's know, right. things that are assigned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I but I know what I could see if somebody asked me what you do. I would say he has um, a management role over some departments and things, and then also some maybe task oriented things, which we'll get into. But yeah. your departments are library, veterans, solid waste, and parks and rec, and I'm also. Liaison to health department, soil and water, and cooperative extension, and recently was assigned to animal services um, uh, last June, mm-hmm. uh, last July when um, when the, they were assigned to the office of the county manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the other part of that kind of jumps around into the grants world or mm-hmm. into different tasks or projects, um, and one of those things we're gonna. We're going to come back and talk uh, later sometime about what we've been working on with broadband and all that, um, and that's going to be ongoing for a little while. Mm-hmm. But one of the other things uh, I feel like that if you've been assigned to is the opioid settlement, um, I don't know, distribution process, whatever we want to call that. Yeah, so the opioid settlement funding um is a and yeah you're right I have I have my departments and I have my other duties as assigned and then I've got several projects that I'm that I'm um, 
working on in the opioid settlement funding is one of those projects. The opioid settlement um, came out of a distributor settlement with the um, several states' attorneys general, including um, uh, our own Josh Stein. And um, last July 2021, um, the state signed, um, the state developed the memorandum of understanding or memorandum of agreement, sorry, and the county signed on to that MOA. And it resulted in about $750 million being distributed to the state of North Carolina. Um, of that, it's 85%. 85% is being <laughs> distributed directly to counties and municipalities. Um, and so that's a huge um, benefit of the North Carolina settlement is that it is um, directly going to the, the places who are on the front lines dealing with the opioid um, overdose epidemic. Do you know how the the counties and municipality funding was divided up? Was it population-based, or did they have a sort of an algorithm that they followed? That Yeah, so actually there's an attachment to the MOA that describes how the money was, was divided up. But yeah, um, basically a – each county is assigned a percentage based on population and some other factors. Okay. Um, and so the uh, Franklin County is getting just over $3.2 million over 18 years. We've already received our initial disbursements, um, three so far, for calendar year 2022. And we've had our public meeting um, in October 2022. I, I think, too, it's it's – it's not really the way they're going to distribute it. It's not necessarily um, they didn't take three point two million and divide it up over however many payments. There's it kind of goes up and down a little bit. I know that it uh, we'll see some higher payments and then we'll see some lower payments, and because it kind of tapers off. Um, uh, looking at the whatever you call that graph. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yes. So it, it's supposed to be, uh, the way they're describing it as front-loaded, and if you look at the, uh, if you look at the distri- distribution schedule, um, the first year we're getting, we're supposed to get just over 400000 and then, um, and then it sort of settles in around between two and 300000 for the next three years, and then it, and then it drops down to, um, between one hundred and two hundred thousand for the next uh, fourteen years or so, um, kind of makes sense. I mean, if you think about, it, I guess they're looking for in those first initial years of the setting up of whatever you're going to use it on, and then sort of the maintenance over the right. course. So. That's right. Gives you some flexibility for uh, if you're planning on doing a capital item or, like you said, setting up pro- programs. Um, but these these are um, it, it's a huge deal for for the state. And um, the state also retained, um, you know, obviously 15% of that uh, $750 million. So they've got some money that they're going to be setting up grants. So we need to keep an eye on that so that we can um, leverage this funding for for additional state funding, which is finding the best way to uh, most directly deal with the opioid ep- overdose epidemic mm-hmm. and provide services to our uh, community when, where they need it. And I know the, the state was kind of requiring this, this sort of public meeting workshop uh, element, um, which is, is is really good to have, and in October, 
it wasn't just a meeting where you came and, and listened to a speaker. There was that part. You had an mm-hmm. expert come in who described sort of what you can use with it and talked about it very in-depth. But there was another element to that meeting that was kind of interesting that involved um, the public showing up and being able to participate. And that was, I think, you had three breakout groups that got to kind of talk about some things and, and come up with some different ideas, uh, brainstorming in a, a sort, uh, uh, not right. a sort of free-form brainstorming, but a little yeah. bit of a <laughs> sure. you know, guided yeah. brainstorming. Yeah, so um, the public meeting, I thought, went really well. I was excited for the um, the turnout. And um, the goal of the public meeting was to get people who are involved in um, the opioid epidemic to sit down and describe what they're currently doing, where they see gaps, and sort of um, come up with some ideas on where we should use this money to support existing efforts. And um, so that was that was the uh, I'd probably say one of the more important parts of the public input meeting was. Um, getting everybody together to, um, I guess as much as anything is inventory what is already going on in the county. Um, it was important for uh, our, our guest speaker, Nadi Sashdeva, who's the, uh, I'll call her the opioid czar. <laughs> she, um, she's an expert. She's been working in this industry for a really long time. She worked for the state for a while. She worked for Duke University for a while. Um, but she framed the problem in a way that got everybody on the same page. And then from there, we were all able to talk about um, what is currently going on and, and where we see some gaps. Um, so it was really good to, to have the community um, turn out for that and the people who are directly dealing with this um, had some really good ideas. I mean, if, if you know they're dealing with it, they know what they need. And um, so I'm, I'm happy to um, to get that information and then we'll we'll get back before the board at some point with a uh, report and recommendation for uh, for spending for the next year or two. Um, but part of the uh, I'll dig a little bit into the in the MOA, the Memorandum of Agreement. Um, the MOA requires um, a very detailed and transparent um, spending plan um, that's got to be adopted by the board. So we have to take to the board, um, the actual initiatives that we're supporting, um, and um, to get into that a little bit, the MOA has an option A list and an option B list. The option A list is um, is uh, evidence based uh, strategies to deal with the, the opioid epidemic. Um, option B is less evidence based, and so you. Um, if you choose that option, you have to take a few extra steps in order to show, um, A, that you need it. So there's a strategic planning process requirement, and then there's a, a more detailed reporting requirement because you have to show that it's actually uh, directly affecting uh, the issue. Um, the option A list, they've already the state has already said these are evidence-based. They um, on on its face, it, it does what it's supposed to do, and so you can you can do these without much additional study and reporting. So um, along with option A comes the requirement for the annual meeting. Um, and so we've had that for our first year and we'll sort of do a, a um, we'll do that annually, obviously as required, but um, 
this next year, it'll be to review what we've done over the past year and see where we need to need to go and need to make improvements uh, for the next year. And so we'll, um, we'll do that to kind of keep an eye on things, keep everything out in the open. And then um, there's a website um, where... There's a lot of websites. There's a lot of websites. <laughs> um, you can go and actually see... Um, the spending plans for everybody. Um, Is that more powerful? More powerful yes, NC. That's it. Okay. More powerful NC. Uh, more powerful NC dot org. Yes. yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of things on there actually. Yes. There's a lot of useful information on there, and and that's part of the transparency. Um, there's also NC opioid settlement dot org. A little bit more about the. Uh, resources and a lot of these websites kind of interconnect, but it has a lot of the information, the dashboards for the payment schedules and things like that, um, which can be very helpful. Um, And it sounds like when you, I was just thinking about too, uh, if you're thinking, wow, you know, why haven't we gotten some of this stuff already kind of figured out? It sounds like the MOU requires you to do a lot of uh, work on the front end of how you're going to do, which takes a little bit longer to to get together than to just say, hey, we're going to do this and we'll figure out how we justify it later. You have to do all that in the beginning for almost that's like right. the, yeah, the entire. Yeah. Yes, so. that's right. This isn't um, this isn't something you just start cutting checks for. You have to <laughs> you have to come up with a plan, um, a time period. You have to identify the strategy that you're addressing, and then you have to get board approval for those um, for those expenditures. So we'll we'll see. So the process going forward, there'll be that presentation, but yearly there'll be a, a I don't know what do you call it after it's like a public meeting. Yeah, it'll be an annual public meeting. Um, the the key there is that we invite the towns, so invite representation from the towns. Um, and this past year, we were fortunate we had um, we had Youngsville, we had Franklinton, um, we had Bunn, Lewisburg, all showed up. Um, and so it was good to have the um, communities represented um, as well as the, the front line. Um, we had some mental health professionals show up. We had uh, the community paramedics, which is an important initiative that we have already been doing. Um, and then obviously our, you know, our probably the most common front line um, group is the sheriff's office. Um, they have to uh, respond um, on a regular basis, um, the jail um, so we've, it, it affects multiple uh, departments and offices within the county, including health department, DSS. Um, all, all of these offices really, you know, get get the brunt of this um, issue. So yeah, yeah, and it's a good shout out to uh, if you're interested about the community paramedic program. If you go back, I believe it was the second episode we did. Uh, there's a community paramedic program. Uh, podcast episode that I talk with both of the community paramedics and they really explain what they do and uh, and kind of give you a sense of what they're seeing every day. It's a good it's a good episode. You can go back and check it out. Um, so we got these public meetings. Is there anything else looking forward down the road that we'll see, or is it pretty much smooth sailing annual check in meeting, and then hopefully good results and implementation down the road. That's right. I mean, okay. yeah, we're, we're, we're counting on, on good results and implementation um, 
mostly because we're using the, the evidence-based strategies. We're, we're not um, we're not trying to reinvent anything. Um, so using evidence-based strategies, um, we feel really good about our chances at having some success, um, showing some improvement. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the gaps we find are um, finding care for um, people who are suffering with opioid use disorder. So um, you know they they often unfortunately end up in jail, which is not the right place for them. And so providing those resources in the jail to find them resources outside of the jail, um, so they don't end up back in jail. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but you know this is something that affects. Families, so if you you know it's not just in a vacuum, it affects the families. Um, you know if they end up overdosing, um, then you have community paramedic involvement. You've got sheriff's office involvement, EMS, um, and so it, it, you know it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, and really, they're they're just struggling. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of those difficult things yeah. where uh, no. Not all cases are the same. Not right. it's a multi-faceted little thing that you have to really. It's challenging, and and this is one of the good things to have these resources come in is to help those challenges because you know you don't know what type of situation because it could go in a lot of different ways. So that's right. having something that's resilient and and be able to do a, the maximum amount of good. Uh, will be will be helpful, and we have a lot of this information on our website. Um, if we don't have it there, then we have links to websites that have even more on the uh, Franklin County NC dot gov website under About Us and Initiatives. There's uh, we got a page, um, some stuff for broadband there that we're uh, constantly updating, and then there's a, a a page for the opioid settlement. And it gives you a little bit of background about the opioid settlement, what North Carolina is getting, what Franklin County is getting, the MOU, uh, MOA, um, different resources, including the presentation that was given on October 3rd at Franklin Plaza for the public meeting and workshop, and then all kinds of information uh, about those websites we we mentioned earlier and – and including there's also part of those is if you know someone who is struggling with opioid addiction, there are some resources there to sort of, uh, you know, you can help get them connected with and, and all of that sort of thing. So try to make it as easily navigated so that you can get the resources that you need. So I feel like we've, we've kind of hit all of the opioid settlement stuff that we have for now. Mm-hmm. We'll have more coming later. That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll this will be part one. There'll be another one. Come, come later, and we'll discuss sort of that. And hopefully, when we get around to that, we'll start to uh, we'll get our uh, initial plans um, put out there when they're approved by the board. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, we'll be able to come back and kind of look at the results and see some some great things happening in Franklin County. That's pretty good. That was very informative. And even though I created the part of some of the stuff on the website, I learned more listening to you. Kind of get a little further into it. And some things popped in my mind that I didn't even think about before. So, awesome. uh, so that that was good. And uh, we're going to have Will back on uh, sometime this spring. Talk, give us some more update on broadband and where we're going there. 
I mentioned those resources are also on our website. I think that's all we have left. That was a very long and informative thing. We got to learn a lot about Will and uh, a lot about the Opioid Settlement Fund process. Uh, The Franklin County NC Podcast is produced by Franklin County as a public service to better inform and provide timely and relevant information. Tune in for more informative shows about what is happening in Franklin County. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Like or rate the podcast and share it with your friends and family. To find out more about Franklin County NC, go to our website at www.franklincountync.gov and sign up for our email newsletter while you are there. For all of us here at Franklin County, I'm James Six, and we'll talk to you soon.